everyone, this is Monique Garrett. Welcome to the Ways of Working podcast. Today, we're talking about data submissions. In this episode, Shannon Heacock, Head of Regulatory Submissions at Ways, and Mike Willis, CEO of Tradecraft Clinical Research, discuss the planning and production of data submissions. Shannon brings the regulatory perspective to the conversation, while Mike looks at it from the data programming and stats view. They cover topics like the most common challenges, risks of noncompliance, and the important role of the study data standardization plan. We hope you enjoy the conversation. Wonderful. So Mike, thanks so much for joining today. Um, I know that you know talking about data can be overwhelming to some folks, so I think it's great to have you join us and really get your perspective of how important it is to get the data right. Um, we know that the agency will reject certain submissions, mainly marketing applications, if they do not have CDS compliant data. Um, if anyone recalls the technical rejection criteria states that for any studies that started after December 17, 2016, they need to submit SATM and ADAM compliant data. Um, so I think that's you know, it's been out there in the pharmaceutical universe for a long time, um, but I know that folks still have questions about what they need to do in order to get their data compliant and the steps that they should take. Um, another area that is important to folks is the SEND-related data, so it's the non-clinical CDS compliant data. Um, and one thing I do want to let everybody know is while for CDER, the date for submitting um, SEND compliant data is December 17, 2017. CBER has recently, as of this past December, updated their timeline so that they're expecting SEND compliant data March 15, 2023. So everyone can kind of take a big size relief um, if they're committing to CBER. But I think it's even more important to make sure that, you know, we're looking at requirements now. And also to keep in mind that the technical rejection criteria hasn't been updated yet to reflect this. So that's something that we'll keep an eye out um, and make sure when it hasn't updated, everybody's aware of it. So Mike, I guess my, my first question for you is when sponsors come to you looking for you to either create their current data to CDISC compliant format or you know, convert legacy data that they have, what exactly are you looking for from them? Oh, well, thanks, Shannon. Thanks for having me. Um, uh, we are, uh, as a, a vendor, uh, we're, we're going to ask them more general questions first. We're going to ask them what do they have, what don't they have, and what do they need? Uh, what are these uh, data submission components for? What are they, uh, where are they within their program? As far as a timeline goes, have they submitted an IND? Uh, are they about to submit an NDA? Uh, that timeline isn't necessary for us to do our job. It just helps us to uh, engage and partner and collaborate with our sponsors uh, to put submission compliant deliverables together. Uh, some of the questions that we would ask them uh, for, for a single study uh, would be for the uh, protocol availability, uh, any sort of formats, any sort of SAP, uh, whether it's available or not. Do they, do they need us to create an analysis plan? Do they have a blank case report form? Uh, what format is it in? Sort of uh, some, some data asset review uh, questions just to kind of uh, lay the foundation for, for what they're asking us to do. 
again, you know, is it, are they asking us to convert one study? Are they asking us to convert multiple studies in part of a, an NDA submission? Uh, that's kind of a, a big question for them to answer. And again, to your point, um, you know, are these legacy studies, are they prior to December 17th, 2016? That's kind of a big date as far as when we need to have submission compliant deliverables in CS format uh, versus prior to that, uh, we have that, that wiggle room with, uh, with legacy data where we can use raw to, to analysis data. Sorry, Mike, I just wanted to ask you a quick question. So mm -hmm. if you do have studies that have started um, prior to December 17, 2016, but those studies are being pulled for an integrated analysis. Would you recommend that they convert to SDTM and Atom? It, it's much better to have uh, at this point, given that we're four years out from that date, it's much better to present a consolidated CDIS compliance uh, package. So even if those okay. studies are older, we want to convert those to SDTM and Atom uh, to the to the CDIS standards so that they're they're cohesive and it's one cohesive package going to the uh, to the agency. Perfect. Thank you. And that's something that we could we could help map out in a study data standardization plan, uh, where you take all the studies, you itemize them all, uh, note their different uh, formats and structures that you're going to be using, and the formats for the uh, or the, the versions of of the SDTM and Atom that you're going to be uh, converting into. Wonderful. I'm glad you brought that up because I mean the study data standardization plan is one of those documents that I think gets overlooked quite a bit, but it is so important, um, not just for the agency, right, for them to review. I know they're looking to receive it as soon as possible. So whether with your general investigational plan, with your IND, or you send with the pre-NDA meeting package, um, I find that, you know, it's, again, it's not just going to help the agency, but the submission team at the sponsor site putting together the package or the application, they can sort of use that as a checklist to make sure that everything they told the agency they're going to provide is actually part of the application. So it's not just important for the clinical folks to know about that plan, it's everybody on the submission team in general. Agreed, yeah, it really gets everybody on the same page. And we have come across clients who, who are completing the uh, study data standardization plan as sort of a a last minute requirements, uh, and we, we've seen that a little bit. It, it's done a little bit later in the process, but ideally you would really want to put the, the SDSP together as early as possible, pre-IND meeting, uh, as you're submitting the IND. So you can list out all the studies that you're planning and forecasting to, to complete and submit uh, as part of the submission. And it really puts all of the studies together uh, and, and maps everything out. And the, the different components of the SDSP uh, Go, go to an introduction, you have general sponsor information, uh, then you have the specific pro uh, product information, and then you list out the studies, whether they're clinical or non-clinical, uh, whether they're part of an ISS or an IC or not, uh, and any sort of non-conformance uh, that you may have come across, and then uh, uh, any, any sort of FDA standard uh, discussions that you may have had. So if you brought this up at the IND level, you would note that in the standardization plan, if you brought it up at the end of phase two meeting or the type C meeting, all of those notes would go in the standardization plan. Okay, perfect. So, I mean, I guess we can all agree the most important thing is getting it in front of the agency, you know, having those, the interactions with them, right? And I guess having everybody agree to the plan so that you're all on the same page. 
Exactly. It's always better to, to get that in front of the agency earlier rather than later. Uh, there is a uh, there is a template out there to use. It's on the FUSE website. Uh, there are lots of different temp, uh, templates out there to use. Uh, the FUSE uh, template is a really good one to use. Um, it's not part of the CDISC package, but it is a requirement for uh, the FDA. And being someone that is actually creating the data, is this something that you can help the sponsors um, create and actually fill out when they're ready? Yeah, we've had a, a bit of experience doing that with our clients. Uh, like I said, it's, it's much more useful to put the plan together in the beginning rather than at the end, but we have come across uh, uh, clients when we do this a little bit further in, into the process around the end of phase two meeting. Uh, but it, it's always helpful no matter when you put it together. Whether you're putting it together at the end, it, it maps out where some holes may be in your in your application process. And in the, if you do it more in the beginning, then it helps you to actually follow the plan and and make sure you have all of your your ducks in a row when you go to the agency. Okay, perfect. And just talking about timeline a little bit because you know again we talked about how important it is getting this plan together sooner rather than later. Just going back to how long it actually takes you to create data. Um, I'm sure you have had some rush timelines, you know, whether you're converting data from legacy to CDISC or just starting from scratch, but an, uh, an optimal timeline, I guess, what, how much time should folks plan for whether they're converting from legacy to CDISC or if they're going from database lock? Yeah, that, that, that's a good question. Uh, typically for just converting data from raw to, to SDTM, uh, we typically allow about three weeks to four weeks to do that, including the, uh, the submission package. So that includes your, your uh, components as well, including the define XML, the uh, SDRG, uh, and the annotated case report form. Uh, for the full-blown start-to-finish to project, we allow about uh, eight to 12 weeks out uh, prior to database lock uh, to complete the, the mapping of the data to SDTM, the analysis data sets, the TLFs, all, the, all of the uh, components prior to database lock. And then uh, we typically deliver a week or two post database lock for a draft and then another round of review for, for finalized output. Okay, perfect. So definitely not something where you're just hitting a button. No. <laughs> <You> know, <literally. laughs> no, it does. It does take um, a little bit of time. There, there are a lot of, uh, mm -hmm. a lot of components to it, a lot of details and uh, a lot uh, that goes into going from, from soup to nuts like that. Okay. And so, you know, I definitely always try to drive home the point of just how important the compliant data packages are for a sponsor submission. I mean, the agency uses these in so many different ways. You know, they can manipulate the data themselves in order to do different types of analyses. You know, I always tell folks it really is the foundation of their application. Um, we, or I personally have heard where the agency almost skips over your summaries and your reports and they're going right to the data, right? They really want to make sure that everything kind of jives together. So with your experience, what have you seen from sponsors you've worked with, common issues that they have, right? Whether it's not allowing for enough time for the conversion, you know, do they sort of think that this is an afterthought if they already have the raw data? Um, any type of issues that you see that we can maybe get out there so folks can start thinking about things they should put on a checklist of theirs? As far as 
common issues that I've come across, it's mostly been uh, putting a plan together. As far as the specific data goes, I don't know if there have been too many too many issues with the actual data components uh, that we've had issues with. Uh, it's mostly been timing and uh, timelines and planning and trying to get uh, a certain amount of studies completed within a, a very short amount of time. So uh, kind of going back to my, my earlier comments, uh, the, the earlier you start, the better uh, and, and uh, put, put components together earlier uh, rather than later. No, absolutely. I mean, I, I don't think we can reiterate being proactive and having a plan enough. Um, from my point of view, sort of from the submissions point of view, you know, I definitely think that there's sometimes a knowledge gap between clinical folks and the submission team. And not everyone is aware of what actually needs to go into the ECTD submission. So right. I think the, the most common issue from my perspective is, you know, I as sponsors just sending me zip files that their clinical team or whomever gave them, and they don't know what's part of it. And that's fine. I mean, that's part of my job, right? But I think the important takeaway is for everyone at a minimum to understand what an ECTD data package looks like. So, you know, your define.xml, um, what happens if there's a define.pdf included as well? Can they both go in? Should they not? Those are the questions that, that folks should start to look for or ask. Um, making sure the annotated case report form is there. And also one thing that I think folks lose sight of or track of is having the analysis program, right? right. So they don't have mm -hmm. to be executable. Um, and then is that something that's part of your deliverable? Because I ask, because I found sometimes I've asked sponsors in the past and they said, well, that's with our vendor, we don't have them. Right, yeah, yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> you typically do get some, some zip files sent over and, and it's kind of like, here you go. <laughs> some of the requirements uh, that go into these, uh, or the components that go into the, the submission. I mean, I know we've talked about the, the SDSP quite a bit, but that's, that's item number one. But after that, we go down to the uh, SDTM case report tabulations. Uh, those are uh, another important component to go. The, everything that goes into the SDTM CRT would be, like you said, the annotated case report form, the SDTM domains in, X, in transport format, the data definition table, or the define in XML format. Optionally, you can put in the, the PDF along with the style sheets, but uh, by and large, things have moved on from the PDF to the define XML. And then the reviewer's guides, so that kind of takes care of the uh, the SDTM CRT package. The Atom CRT tabulation package uh, involves a lot of the same components. You have the Atom data sets in transport format, so you need SAS to convert all of those to transport format. A data definition table along with the XML. Again, the optional uh, PDF format with the style sheets, uh, the reviewer's guide. The Atom team has developed the uh, analysis results as well, which are optional for the FDA. They're required in Japan, but they're optional in the US. Another requirement uh, that isn't in the CDIS uh, realm, but another requirement for submission is the uh, clinical site data uh, for CEDAR inspection planning. So the BMO output, uh, typically that involves listings of the clinical uh, data by site. So all of the different sites, uh, you list all of them out, um, uh, all of the clinical data out by site. There's a summary level clinical site data 
data sets uh, that gets uh, delivered as well in transport format. That's corresponding to fine XML as well. There's a, a reviewer's guide that, that can be included in there if necessary, but that's not required. It's typically the listings, the um, data set, and the define XML. And of, of course, there are some guidance documents that go along with that, that email submission. Uh, and then we get down to the programs that you were talking about earlier, uh, the software programs, which are required in text formats. You don't need to include SDTM programs. You only need to include Atom programs, which are covering the uh, primary and secondary efficacy analyses. Uh, and then the, uh, the corresponding TLF programs as well. And then lastly, which uh, one, one final requirement here would be the population PK package. Not always relevant for all submissions, but if you do have a pop PK package, you need to include that. Uh, there aren't any current uh, CDISC standards to go along with that, but uh, that's a part of the core requirement as well. And would the pop PK be part of your study data standardization plan? Would it be listed there or would it be tracked separately? Yeah, that would be in the SDSP as well. Perfect. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you really want to make sure you have everything in that in that plan that really maps everything out for you. That's wonderful. Okay. Very good. Um, so just to kind of wrap things up a little bit, if you had to give one, just one single piece of advice to someone planning for a marketing application in terms of their data, what would it be? Uh, just plan early and often and use use the tools that are available to you, uh, such as the, the standardization plan to, uh, to ask questions to the FDA or whichever regulatory agency you're applying to and uh, interact with them and record it and document it and uh, just include as much information as you can. Wonderful. So I would certainly second exactly what you just said. I mean, everything is about planning, doing, you know, being as proactive as possible. Um, we'll go back to the study data standardization plan one more time. Use that as a checking tool, right? So whether you're on the clinical team, the regulatory team, wherever, you know, really understand that plan and use it to check it against the application that you plan to submit to the agency and think about how much time is involved in all of these unique tasks um, when really planning out your timeline. So that's perfect. Well, Mike, this was awesome. I'm sure it's something that we're probably going to set up again because this is an ongoing topic that really I can only hear, you know, I can never hear it enough. So I appreciate you taking the time and we will chat soon. That's great. Thanks so much, Shannon. I appreciate it.